Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 156 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is All Things, an interview with Jamie Jamgosian. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. So, Matt, the title of Jamie's new album is All Things. Jamie is a Christian artist who has been suffering from Lyme disease for quite some time. And her Lyme disease diagnostic journey was long and her treatment journey was long. And she was doing pretty well after being diagnosed with managing her Lyme disease symptoms with the doctors that she was treating with and with the Rawls protocol. But unfortunately, because she's a touring artist and the challenges with living life as a touring musician, ultimately her immune system failed her and she became chronically ill. And the chronic disease journey was a very different journey for Jane. Jamie, and it tested her in many different ways. Jamie was ultimately able to heal when a friend of hers who was also suffering from Lyme disease urged her to go to a treatment facility here on Long Island in Huntington, New York. So Matt, this is a really interesting story of a woman who was able to remain faithful, find a place where she could heal. And now she's returning back to her career as a touring artist. And this spring, now that COVID has been winding down, is going to go back on tour. So without further ado, I'm excited to introduce touring Christian musician, Jamie Jankohoshian. Hey, Jamie, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, we're, we're really blessed to have you, Jamie. We've been really excited to interview you, and the day has finally arrived where Woo! Jamie is now going to be able to bless all the listeners of the Tick Bootcamp podcast with her journey. So, Jamie, talk to us about where you grew up and what your childhood experience was like. Yeah. So I grew up right outside of Boston, Massachusetts, as we say, Boston, and um, in a town called Reading, Mass. Great childhood. Really, the older I get, the more just thankful and honored I'm to say. Wonderful parents, great younger sister, really good family, close family. You know, the kind of family that, what are your dreams? Oh, you want to do music? Let's put you in piano lessons. And you know, I was in all the school musicals and marching band and jazz band. And so really good childhood um, until I got sick. <laughs> okay. So let's, so let's talk about, so you, so you had this really warm family who supported you in your, in your effort to pursue your dreams. Uh, you dreamt of becoming a musician. And as it turns out, you were able to pursue and succeed in becoming a professional musician, but we're going to get there. Yeah. While your family was offering you the opportunity to have the music lessons and the piano lessons and all the things that they offer to you. Did your family give you any educational information or any educational support relating to ticks and tick diseases? Oh gosh, no, we had no idea what ticks were. We, we really didn't know about it until I got diagnosed with Lyme disease, to be honest with you. So now you're on the East Coast, you're in the Lime Belt, and uh, you know you, you have a, a very supportive family, and obviously they have resources because they're giving you all of these opportunities to pursue your dreams. Why do you think they didn't know anything about ticks and tick diseases? Honestly, I'm a little bit older. I don't remember it being talked about at all when I was young and would go to the children's doctor for you know, little things, strep throat, you know, I can remember a little rash I would get on my arm and it kind of looked, they kept saying, oh, you keep getting ringworm, which I, I now always wonder, was that ringworm from a tick bite, <laughs> you know, because it was a rash on my arm, but who knows, it could have been that. Um, we just didn't know. My doctor at the time wouldn't have known. My parents wouldn't have known. Um, it just wasn't talked about back then. We would spend summers, um, every summer in Cape Cod at the beach and I don't know if it was there that it happened, but nobody ever talked about in our world, tick bites, or I don't ever remember friends even getting like ticks on them. We would play in the woods, you know, I was a very active outside young girl. And I don't, I just don't even recall any of it. Now Cape Cod of course is a, uh, is a place where, um, you know, there are many people who are suffering from Lyme disease. In fact, I think it's the largest concentration of Lyme disease patients in the world. So when you went to Cape Cod, were you ever put on notice that, hey, you should be aware of where ticks are located. You should be taking some steps to prophylactically protect yourself from getting bitten by ticks. And you should be checking yourself to find out whether or not there are any ticks on you. Never heard any of that. It was put your sunscreen on so you don't get a burn. <laughs> the beach yeah and so, I go back even as an adult like I would go back you know when I was in college we'd take weekends there and stuff and that would have been into my you know late teen years 17 18 never heard about ticks 
in Cape Cod. So now, Jamie, when did you finally receive your Lyme disease diagnosis? How old were you? The first time I was told about it, first time I even learned about it was <laughs> at a kind of a church meeting that I was singing at. It was a small group and I was playing piano and singing. And after this woman came up to me who knew I was battling some health issues. So I would have been into my mid thirties and she looked at me and she said, have you ever checked into Lyme disease? I just, during this whole night, I've had this hunch that maybe what you're battling with could be Lyme disease. And I, I went home and Googled it. So that was the first time I heard about it. And then I did go to my doctor who was more of a holistic doctor um, who had been treating me for a lot of symptoms prior to that moment and said to him, do you think this could be Lyme disease? And it's like his eyes lit up and I almost wanted to punch him because <laughs> why didn't we go down that road five years ago, you know? And um, that's when he did my first blood work to check for Lyme and when my first markers came up. Okay, so let's walk it back. Okay. So how long were you symptomatic? Meaning how long were you feeling symptoms of what you now know to be Lyme disease prior to this diagnosis in your mid thirties? Uh, the first time I remember something not being right was as a child, I would get excruciating migraines quite often. And, you know, I would have to miss school. It would make me very sick. I'd be up all night in excruciating pain throwing up. So that was strange to be a young girl. We're talking like seven, eight, nine years of age. Um, that's a strange pattern for a young girl. A lot of um, strep throat infections, tonsillitis, just was never, I was such a happy kid. So it never really stole my life. Like I would just keep going. And you know, you just did what you thought you do. You go to the doctor, they give you antibiotics. So I was on antibiotics way too much. And then I think in college, the next big sign was the chronic tonsillitis. I just could not shape getting tonsillitis. So finally I had to go to a vocal specialist and they're like, you have to have your tonsils out. This is getting too much, too big. You know, my tonsils were huge and so infected and it was just nonstop antibiotics. So I had my tonsils out my junior year of college, I got a really bad case of mono. And, you know, a lot of people in college get mono. They call it the college kissing, you know, disease. I just thought I was like every other college girl, you know, but I can remember my friends could shake it and could like get over it. And for me, it, it wipes me out. It nearly took me out. I can remember, I don't even know how I got through my classes that whole, pretty much for like six months. So there were little signs that something wasn't right. My biggest aha moment was I had then graduated uh, from Berkeley in Boston and moved to Seattle. And I was going to one of my dream artist concerts. And now I know my body kind of like bottomed out, but I wouldn't have known what that was back then. And had my first like flush rush of, it felt like, Am I going to pass out? I can't get a deep breath. My head was swirling, the brain fog, almost like a really weird panic attack out of the blue. <laughs> like I was so happy. I was getting to meet my favorite art. Like it was just a dream scenario. There was no anxiety. It was like a, the happiest moment. Do you know what I mean? And that brought me to doctors. Like what's going on? Something's not right. The fatigue, the couldn't keep my eyes open felt like I could just crawl on the floor and take a nap at any time. So there are all these, all these things that kind of led up to, led up to that first diagnosis. So I was functioning how, at that point. There, so it how, gets worse in 2018 when I couldn't function. <laughs> so Jimmy, how old were you when you had the Seattle experience? That was 24. So, uh, so 2004 or 2014? I was 24. So probably like the 2002, maybe 2004. Yeah. Okay. So 
you believe that your childhood experiences with migraines and sort of this weakened immune system that caused you to have these challenges are related to a tick bite that you suffered at some point during your childhood? I will never know until I get to talk to God in heaven, but that's one of my theories. <laughs> How did these illnesses affect you during your childhood, if at all? Yes. So childhood was still amazing. It did not affect me. I would have those wicked bats of migraines, but then be back to school within like two days. And, you know, it was kind of, I had learning disabilities all through elementary school, but something really clicked with the music. So then I was like a top, top tier student and, you know, straight A's and giving the speech, uh, you know, at your graduate high school graduation and college graduation, kuma sum laude, the whole I don't think I said that right, but you know, the Summa, whole, yes, the whole, that. So, you know, it was very, <laughs> was doing very well academically, if you can believe that. And, um, <laughs> you know, really excelling in my craft and music. So all of that stuff brought me so much life. I would just push. And so even through mono, I wasn't about to leave college. Like I like pushed and then like would sleep from Friday to Monday, basically, you know, and get through my classwork. It was just important to me to do well in school. And so it really did not affect me until my mid thirties. And it's seriously, even through my mid thirties, I was kind of doing okay until 2018 is when I no longer, I no longer could go the way I was going. So what happened in 2018? In 2018, um, I was, so I knew about Lyme now I had done several different treatments some in Atlanta. I did the Rawls kit. I did so many supplements. I mean, I did sauna. I did everything everybody was telling me to do basically. Um, binders, you know, all the charcoal. And then in 2018, <coughs> I started getting headaches again. And they reminded me of my childhood headaches. I had also been traveling internationally. So there's a few pieces of the puzzle. Got very ill when I got back from Peru. Um, and very ill when I got back from the Philippines, but it could have just been too much for my body, like the stress of it all. Um, and one morning, August 26, I believe, 2018, I woke up and felt like I couldn't lift my head off the pillow, a different kind of headache. And my brain felt swirly. I just remember feeling like I always feel like I got hit by a truck, but I feel like I got hit by a Mac daddy semi like the biggest truck you've ever seen and it scared me and I was like I'm having a hard time getting out of bed like I had a hard time walking to my kitchen like something was very wrong and um I got anxious I, I used to be a very peaceful cool calm collect I remember like waves of, of anxiety and I just did everything I knew to do like I pulled out my essential oils I I took a hot bath to try to sweat. I, I did all the tools that I had had and nothing was lifting this really strange headache. And so I went to the doctor and he's like, I, I think you're dealing with anxiety and depression. You're just, you're doing too much. You know, look at everything you're doing right now is working at a church full time, a church plant, which was fabulous, but pastor at a big church, there was a lot there. I was traveling in music, touring, <laughs> making a new album. So it, it kind of made sense, but I was like, no, that you don't know me. Like I'm not, no, I don't think it's depression and anxiety, but okay, if that's what you think. And man, within three days, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really get sentences out. I couldn't, I just would cry the anxiety. So basically I went from like living this very full life on the outside to not leaving my condo for almost like two, three weeks. It, it was very, I call it my crash and burn moment. And I do believe it was that all of the symptoms that I was just kind of keeping at bay finally manifested fully. And it could have been everything I was doing like this, you know, too much in life. Um, so that was my worst season. I had, I ultimately moved, had to move home to Boston, Mass um, to be with my family. And that was when we began to navigate how to truly get well and get healed because 
my faith and my belief was always that I could be well. And I, I felt that promise from God. And I do believe he's a healer, whether we're healed fully here on earth or with him in heaven one day, he makes us whole. That's why Jesus went to the cross. It's one of my favorite attributes of, you know, I'm a Christian of a follower of Jesus is that he, his body was broken so that we could be whole. And so I had that belief in the back of my mind and heart, but my body was not, <laughs> was not responding to it. So that began a long journey of looking into treatment centers and trying so many different treatment therapies until I found a clinic where you live in Long Island, New York. And um, that wasn't, I didn't find them until May of 2019. And my treatment began in July of 2019. Okay, so we're going to walk all the way back now. Okay. And, and we're going to talk about your developing symptoms from when you were in college mm -hmm. until you received your diagnosis in your mid thirties. Okay. How did the symptoms develop? What doctors did you see? And what were you diagnosed with when you, when you were on the portion of your diagnostic journey between college and your mid thirties? Yeah. So at that point, my career was probably at its height as a Christian recording artist. I had had a number one at Christian radio and had a song that uh, in our world, like you'd call it, uh, it was charting on the CCLI charts, which means churches all over were singing a song that I wrote, which is awesome. So that meant there's a lot of traction to be traveling, touring, big shows, little shows, international shows, you know, like all over, like go, go, go. Interviews, like, you know, two interviews every day for music stuff. And life was just very full. And I can remember going to my doctor at the time who was a mix of Western med and holistic med, because I've always been very drawn to, to that world, the holistic world. And he just kept, giving me your, it's chronic fatigue. Um, and that's what we thought, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, I would get these strange pains in different parts of my body. Um, you know, they always say anxiety, depression, which that one was always so hard for me because I felt like I knew there was a root. I knew there was something causing the anxiety and like just not feeling myself. So it was a lot of that. And then, um, some of the other strange symptoms would be like really bad knee pain, arthritic pain in my knees. I, I'm a big walker, bikes, bicycling, tennis, all that. And I can remember I'd play and be like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm an 80 year old. What's wrong with my knees? And, you know, rubbing lavender and can away essential oils on my knees at a young age. Um, so those were some of my key symptoms, the brain fog. And then when my speech, I felt like I couldn't get my sentences to my brain to connect with what I wanted my, my words to say. That was very scary. And that's what happened in 2018, which the clinic then told me it became a neurological Lyme disease infection. Right. So let, but let's stay back in that diagnostic window before you were diagnosed. How many different doctors did you see and how many different diagnoses did you receive other than Lyme disease? So I went to an arthritis doctor um, I went to an autoimmune specialist, checking your thyroid, checking for lupus. Um, I went to a Lyme doctor in Atlanta who did confirm it was Lyme and did all of the kind of more voodoo out there kind of treatments there. But that was, that was after the diagnosis, right? Let, let's stay in that That's window. Before the diagnosis. Yes. Okay. So I went to, of course the migraine doctors, the neurologists, gosh, probably went to like four or five of them, tried a lot of those medicines and felt awful. Any brain related, like band-aid type medicine for me was not good. Well, we know why, because it was an infection. <laughs> so those were awful. Those did not give me much relief personally. I think also toxic load, you know, is a big deal. And I think when you are dealing with a chronic illness, your toxic load is already so high. And then you're putting drugs in you, some that are <laughs> making that toxic load even higher. So it was just like a train wreck. So those were some of the doctors that I would see. I mean, I also did natural stuff. I would go to an acupuncturist. I would go to massage therapist. I would try every, I did this really weird and maybe some people have great 
benefit from it. So I don't want to like slam it. But for me, it was really weird. I think it's called Riki, Rikai. I don't know. It was the weirdest thing in my life. I won't even tell you where it went, what she was doing, but I basically was like, what are we doing? <laughs> and I'm a little out there. It was way too out there. Um, it just didn't work for me. I might have trauma from that. I think that's something I need to look into. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, I tried a lot of things. I mean, I wish I could remember some more of the things that a lymph, I've done all those lymph massages and yeah. I feel like I went to every kind of, you know, cranial doctor for the headaches. Uh, I did some talk therapy, which I'm still a fan of, you know, wherever you're at in life. I think it's good to go to a counselor and talk it out. Um, neurofeedback, biofeedback. Yeah. Now, none of the doctors that you were treating with ever even suggested Lyme disease might be a possible diagnosis. It wasn't until somebody who you were fellowshipping with approached you and said to you, Hey, you look like you have Lyme disease. Yeah. It was until around 35. Yep. So how About 10 the years of just knowing something was not right, but pushing through and trying all these weird things. Now, how, how were these symptoms impacting you? You said you were at the peak of your career where uh, you were a, um, an artist who was was being recognized on various charts and 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 in um in Christian communities. How is this impacting your ability to um uphold your obligations to all of these uh commitments? That's where my faith really I I don't know how people navigate something like this without God. Like for me, um I just every day God was my strength and I love what I do. And I had such a clear purpose and call. I love helping people. I love sharing the love of Jesus. I love sharing songs of hope that I really believe that was the gift from God, because I don't know if I was doing something, a dead end job or not fulfilled in life, I think it would have taken me out, but where my faith was so strong, I just, I kept, believing and knowing that, okay, this isn't, this is going to change, but I love what I was doing. So even though there would be mornings, I would wake up in a hotel room and feel like, I don't even know if I can get out of bed. The reward was knowing that that night I was going to get to sing to thousands of people. So it kind of helped me navigate that season, if that makes sense. It also burned me out, which, so it's like, <laughs> It was good and bad at the same time. <laughs> well, how much traveling were you doing? Specifically, how much air travel were you doing during that window of your life? So at the height of my career, we were in tour buses, which means you get on a bus with your band, your road crew, your manager, your everybody. And you're, you know, you could be in a 60 city tour for the fall. You leave on a Thursday and you bus back on a Monday. Um, it's, it's draining. It's not glamorous. You're sleeping in a bunk on a bus with 12 other people. You know, you have your own little space that didn't come out right. You know what I mean? Um, and you're, you're doing shows. So, you know, you're doing a show at seven, you're signing autographs and hugging people and, you know, till 1130 midnight, sometimes or you're getting back on the bus at midnight. You're eating gross food from midnight to maybe 2 a.m. because you're all on this high from a show with your band and watching movies and hanging out. And then you're going to bed really late at 2, sleeping till like 10, you know, the typical musician life. That was not probably the best on my body as well. And that went on for years. Yeah. And fly dates as well. International, you know, you're not going to bust to Japan. Right. <laughs> so fly dates for international trips. Currently in, in, in the back half of my career, so the back half of my thirties was all fly dates. So just about every weekend I was hopping on a flight. So it sounds to me that your body was managing your Lyme pretty well, but your lifestyle was certainly causing a great deal of immune disruption to take place. And over some period of time, you ultimately crashed. Yeah. Like emotionally and mentally and you know when we talk about purpose and calling and heart and passion I was doing it I was living it I was so like happy but then physically my body was like what are you doing and and put on top of it a, a very real disease that I didn't even know was happening you know what I mean so it was like both ends of the spectrum but I'm just so grateful that I 
had that, you know, love and desire for what I did, because I, I don't know, I don't know where I would be today. And we can talk about that in 2018 when I hit the darkest place. Well, but let's talk about, let's talk about that before you get to the dark place, because Lyme disease and a Lyme journey is both a physical and emotional and spiritual experience, right? And 100%. one one of the one of the challenges that so many folks have is once they have their emotional crash, then they have their crash, right? But you were you were in a place where you were emotionally healthy and you were spiritually healthy, so your immune system was functioning at a high level, despite all of the abuse you were you know, your lifestyle was, was, was creating for your immune system, but you know, it, it's, it's your immune system and your brain both betraying you at the same time. And your brain was not betraying you. You had faith, you had purpose, you had mission, you were, you were in a pretty good place. So your, your, your system was managing the Lyme disease, right? Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk about your diagnosis, right? One of, one of the people that you're fellowshipping with recommends that you test for Lyme, you test for Lyme. And now um, you test positively for Lyme, but you're still able to manage it, right? Mm -hmm. What were you doing? What did the doctor who, of course, embarrassed himself by, by admitting that he should have tested you for Lyme and didn't test you for Lyme, start to recommend that you do so that you can treat your Lyme disease? He was new. So he was now taking like a lot of the holistic courses for Lyme. So I think I was one of his first um, to come back positive. Um, in his practice here in Franklin. And I, I'd rather not um, share his name because- That's okay. We don't need that. Yeah, I felt like we went around the biggest track forever and ever and never really, you know, landed anywhere. But um, so he gave me two options, antibiotic port for a very long time. And I just knew from my childhood with all the antibiotics I had been on, I just, something in me, it just didn't resonate in my spirit. I had, I had been doing a lot of work to heal my gut because of all the antibiotics in my childhood. And so the thought of like putting antibiotics in my body again was like, no. And then he gave me the um, Buner, did I say that right? Protocol. And that was super intense for me because of all the pieces I was at, that was back in the day where you had to like find everything, put it together. And so I actually did my own research and um, found another doctor in Atlanta and went out there and started doing treatments, um, holistic treatments that he gave me a lot of tinctures, a lot of um, little supplements and diet was a big thing. That didn't really work either. And so then I found the Dr. Rawls kit online. And I was like religious on that thing for several years. And I do believe that kept everything kind of at bay for a while for me until 2018. So I did get some help from the Dr. Rawls kit. And I love sharing that with people. I have some friends at Battle Lyme that are on it and have some relief as well from that. Yeah. So we here at Tick Boot Camp are big fans of Dr. Rawls. We've interviewed him a couple of times. We think he's, uh, he's an absolute blessing. And both Matt and I are taking uh, various elements of, uh, of the Rawls protocol. So Talk to us about what happened in 2018 and why you think that crash occurred. Yeah, it's so blurry. Um, doing the Dr. Rawls kit really cleaned up my diet, was active. There was a good amount of pressure, I think, on me that I wasn't dealing with internally. And I loved my job. I got to help plant just a thriving church here in Nashville. It's a young, I mean, I feel old there. <laughs> it's young people, college coming and just encountering God for the first time. The music is phenomenal. It's like you're at an incredible concert, but you know, it's worship music and it, that brought so much life as well. So I was pastoring these, a lot of these young new believers and that brought me a lot of joy in life because I actually didn't come to know the Lord till 21, until I was 21. So that's a part of my story as well is just loving the hope that I found in Christ and loving sharing that with people because I think we can reach out to a lot of things to try to make us whole. Even I've noticed in the holistic community, that can kind of become our God. And I'm going to try to be as healthy as I can, mind, body, soul. And sometimes I just want to be like, you're missing the main ingredient, <laughs> you know, but we all have our path and, you know, I want to 
be gentle here. <laughs> so I really believe that the stress of the job and touring, and I was trying to figure out what I was doing with my music career at the time, if I was going to go and do an independent album. And I, it, a lot of now knowledge that I have, like even where my body was at at 40, you know, your body's changing a little bit and just crashed and burned. And I also wonder, like, did I get rebit? Like I was active. I was outside a lot. Did I get rebit by a tick and not know it? At that point, I would have been aware of if I had seen one, but you know, they're so small and they really are pretty bad here in, in Nashville, Tennessee. So I don't know what caused it, to be honest with you, because mentally and emotionally, you know, I felt like I was in a good place. There was some disappointment. I was trying to navigate um, some dreams, other dreams, not music related that I was wrestling with God and just, but I felt like it was in a healthy place. You know, I think it's good to ask questions and to go to those deep, dark places of the soul that, you know, you have to bring up and wonder why some things have and haven't happened the way you would have hoped. I don't know. It's a mystery. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, the reinfection element of this journey. And we're going to see if we can de deconstruct what was happening in 2018 together. So um, you brought up the prospect of being reinfected. Were you taking any steps between the time that you were diagnosed with Lyme disease in your mid thirties and the crash to make sure that you weren't going to get reinfected? I mean, if I was out in a wooded area, I was definitely like the one with my friends that I would be like, check me, do I have ticks? You know, I definitely would do that, um, but that's about it. But did tick checks become a regular part of your experience? Meaning yeah. did you every single day disrobe at some point or as you were getting out of the shower, go through a process of making sure that you didn't have a tick anywhere on your body? No. And I, like I said, I'm a walker. And so even in that season, you know, and I love nature. So I'm in, you know, treed areas, wooded areas. No, I mean, I have long hair. I wear hats when I'm outside a lot, but you know, I still ticks can, you know, fall from a tree into your hair. Dr. Rawls, I used to listen to him and he would be like, wear a white hat, wear white clothing, pull, braid your hair, do something, you know, so that it doesn't, but no, I was not checking myself. Okay. So what else was going on in your life at that time? Were you engaging a lot of air travel, for example? Because remember, air travel is very um, immunosuppressant, right? It, it will disrupt your immune system. So, you know, there, there could be these events that, you know, your, your body could have been managing the Lyme disease and then, then something caused you or some group of things could have caused you to suffer an immune disrupting event. Right. You just reminded me, I was in moldy environments where our church launched. It's this really cool venue, this cool warehouse space, but I know it was loaded with mold because after even being in there for a short amount of time, the brain fog would get so much worse and I, I would feel so fatigued. So I was spending probably too much time in moldy environments. My brand new condo, I had bought at 30 and I bought brand new because I knew mold was an issue for people with chronic illness. And this was before my diagnosis, but I knew to check for mold somehow. And um, I often wonder my water tank broke, like busted the week before I moved in. And they told me they did everything proper to dry out, you know, the drywall. I often wonder if there was mold growing in there you know, you couldn't smell it. You couldn't, I had so many people test, but in the back of my mind and in my heart, I've always wondered if there was a mold issue. And I know that that compromises your immune system. And so now that I'm on this side of it, like anytime I get tested for things, mold is always on the top. Like you're very allergic to mold. I'm like, yep, I know. <laughs> so I have to be careful not to be in moldy environments. Hotel rooms are the worst for that. You know, in my industry, they're not always putting you up at a nice four or five star hotel, <laughs> unfortunately, because I love that. But um, let's be honest, who doesn't? But um, I do think the mold played a big that. And I was flying. Um, yeah, all of that. So it sounds to me in 2018, you had a lot going on, right? You were you were um, you were being blessed by by participating in, in, in these pastoral um, activities, but it wasn't the nicest place and it was full of mold. 
So we we know we know that mold is is a disrupting an immune disrupting um, substance. Well, that's uh, my theory. I, I never checked it, but that's my theory. Oh, but it, but it absolutely <laughs> would be so. So, but and that's what I'm trying to do with you. I'm trying to you know sort of deconstruct this together because something happened in 2018 where your immune system could no longer manage the load, you know the 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 microbe load, and and because of that you crashed, right? So. You're, you're traveling air travel. You are, you are in the presence of mold. You are very, very busy and your immune system crashes because of all of these various stressors. And now talk to us about what you did after your immune system crashed. Oh, I think I went at that point, I wasn't well enough to get to Atlanta. So I think I went back to my old doctor <laughs> and I was so low. I think I was like, you need to put me on something like this isn't right. Do I need an antidepressant? But anxiety was, I had never experienced that kind of anxious feeling before. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a panic attack. It was this chemical reaction in my body. Um, Cause I, I, I know what panic attacks feel like. Um, had a few in my life. This was a can't like, chemically something felt off and I can remember saying my brain uh, my brain doesn't feel like it's functioning right and I would cry to my mom on the phone I'd be like I feel like I can't get my words out right like my thoughts won't something is wrong neurologically and you know everyone would look at me because I'm a happy positive person and would still put my lip gloss on and my mascara on and be like you look fine on the outside and I'm like no, you know, <laughs> something's very wrong. I almost felt like people wouldn't believe me. And that was really hard because then you start to wonder like, is this, am I making this up? <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not one of those people that make things up. And I also learned to have a very high pain threshold, which is good and bad, but like you, your body's sending you warning signs. And I would just blow right through those, push right through those. But no, I should have been yielding and listening to those pain warning signs so that doctor i think we tried a few different headache medicines a few different anxiety medicines nothing worked if anything it made me spiral even more and put me in a really dark place now did you believe it was your lyme disease that caused you to crash or did you believe that something else was happening because well, it's yeah that's you know what happens you, you start to think something else is wrong um I really started to think like, do I have a neurological brain tumor? Um, I went to my female doctor who's wonderful. And she was like, you are under like you're, I was in that fight or flight mode. She was like, we need to check your, she had really good intuition. She's like, we should check your um, pituitary gland. And I'm so glad she did. And I think the stress of it all had put me in this weird place. And so we checked that and I had some levels that were really not in range. And it had formed a tiny, tiny little pituitary, um, not a tumor, it's before that. It's just a teeny little smidget of something. So I actually, we treated that with some, I treated that with some essential oils uh, on the back of my neck, which are really good to help, you know, level out those hormones and get your prolactin back in place. And all of that dissolved itself when I got healed. Actually, they can't even find that little spot anymore. And my levels have been amazing, better than pre-Lyme. <laughs> my hormones are like better than ever. I always tell the clinic, I'm like, thank you guys <laughs> for what you did. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of guessing and trying different doctors. And I should have written it all down because it's kind of a blur. It, it's all a blur until I got a phone call from a friend in Nashville saying, you need to go to this clinic in Long Island and basically begged me to go with her because she knew I wouldn't do it. And that's when it all made sense. Okay, so talk about that friend and what caused her to intervene in your, um, your treatment protocol. Yeah, so we were friends from church. I actually would pour into her a lot and um, she was battling chronic Lyme and we're both oily. We love our Young Living essential oils. And so we kind of bonded over that and eating healthy. And she saw me go from, you know, speaking on the platform, leading teams of 100 people, you know, had my prayer team was 200 people. My guest services team was 
couple hundred people. So she saw me going from like functioning at a pretty high level, touring, singing, you know, to can't leave my home, which was scary, you know, for your friends and to not know what to do or how to help. And she started doing research actually for me because there was too many options out there. One minute I'm going to go to Spain. The next minute I'm going to go to Idaho. The next minute I'm trying an antibiotic port for six months. Then I'm trying this weird thing or, you know, oh my gosh, that talk about stress. That's, that's stress in itself. Like where, where to go for help, what to do. And she stumbled upon this center called the New York center of innovative medicine and sent me the link. And we both were like, this is, there's something here. Like this isn't stuff that we've tried yet. Wow. This sounds kind of out there and weird. And then we got our hands on a testimonial from a guy named Ben. I can't think of his last name right now. And his testimony, it just resonated so deeply because he, he had a life. He was a high achieving athlete, I believe. And then Lyme nearly took his life out, but he was well again enough to function and do what he was called to do. And that just resonated so deeply with me because I always knew I would be healed one way or another. I had that belief and that faith that this was not going to be forever. And when doctors would look at me and say, you just have to learn to live with this, or this is going to be your whole life. You're going to be chronically ill. I just, something in me believed that God could heal. And that's where my faith is. And that's personal. I can't put that on anybody else. But for me personally, I would smile and politely say, I I don't agree. I believe God will heal me. And sometimes they would probably laugh on the inside. I don't know, but that's where my belief was. And so she found this clinic. It was a rocky start in the beginning. I remember calling and feeling like, are they going to call me back? And then we have to fly out there and do this BAH blood test I had never heard of. And how was I going to get to New York? So she basically drugged me on CBD oil on the plane. Because I was not in a good place. I mean, think about it. I go from like flying almost every weekend with all my cute travel bags. And, you know, I love it, you know, classy woman to wearing sunglasses, basically holding her hand drugged up on CBD oil to get on this flight. Like it's just no makeup. You know, it was just such a weird season. (laughs) And um, we get to New York. She She arranged everything. She put the hotel together. (laughs) She got us there. And I remember doing that test and meeting with Dr. Caitlin. And, you know, we're in Long Island. So that's the other thing. Like the doctors in the South are very Southern and warm and everyone loves Jesus here and everybody's got a Bible everywhere. And that was my comfort zone, you know? And so here I am in Long Island where the the accents are different and people aren't as friendly and you know, it just was a little bit of a culture shock. I mean, they're all talking like me. Yep. (laughs) And and (laughs) very, very to the point and very, you know, this is what, you know, and I was just like, can we pray? You know, (laughs) they're looking at me like I'm crazy. So that was my, that was my divine I say my divine intervention moment where God stepped in and I met with the doctor for a couple hours. I remember putting my parents on speakerphone um, so they could hear. And when she read through the list of everything they found from that blood spot, and I did not tell them a thing. I wanted to really see how it would go down there. Um, And they just, they nailed it. Babesia, Bartonella, Epstein-Barr virus. Um, massive viral overload, fungal infections. I hadn't even told them that I had dealt with a little bit of like toenail stuff in my past that, you know, of course I went and got lasered off, you know, or like little things that, you know, they just knew, they knew um, the toxic load. They even were able to test the emotional side and say, hey, what happened when you were 25 to cause a trapped emotion, you know, like in your kidney or in your heart or, and I remember looking at her going, well, I, I signed a record deal. I was so stressed and I, you know, and I was moving from Seattle to Nashville and, you know, or at 27, what caused you to be hopeless? I'm like, I broke up with the love of my life, you know, like how do they know these things, you know? And 
just, it was so interesting. Um, and that was my confirmation. It was tough because she was very honest with how sick I was. And she revealed it had become a neurological Lyme disease infection. And it was the first time anyone had used that phrase. And all of a sudden I felt like God just like smiled over that meeting. And it was like, this is what you're dealing with. And now let's get you healed. And when she said, are you anxious? I'm like, you have no idea. You know, are you depressed? Yes. How, how are your headaches? I'm like a whole nother level. I can't even think. And so it really brought me peace to know that they knew exactly what was going on. And then they had printed out a customized tailor-made plan just for me. And I'm so glad I was there with my friend, Kristen, because she did the whole thing as well. And our plans were not the same. So I knew it was customized. (laughs) Um, What I needed was different from what she needed. And that brought me so much hope because as a believer, like, God has made each one of us individually. And it says that, you know, he, he knit us together and our mother's womb is one of our, my favorite scriptures that says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I loved that this clinic knew exactly what my body needed, mind, body, soul, spirit, and they treat all of it, not just the physical, but they do these neuro emotional techniques as well to get some of those trapped emotions out. And I believe that was a big part of my personal healing, as well as all those, you know, IVs and antimicrobials and stuff. So give us some detail on what they did specifically, meaning what did they do for you emotionally? What did they do for you spiritually? And what did they do for you physically? Right. So I left the clinic that day and somehow got back to Boston. I don't know if I got on a bus and Kristen went back to Nashville, brought my folder home to my parents, which was such a humbling season because I go from like, touring the world, having a really cute condo, living life on my own to really having to have my mom and dad kind of back in my life. Not that they were ever gone, but you know what I mean? In in a way, like helping guide me and make big decisions. Um, How did they react to that? And how did you react to that? It was hard because they knew something was very wrong, but I think they also thought like, is she just depressed? Like what, this isn't our daughter. Like they just kept saying, this isn't you. Like, and I kept saying something's wrong. So finally, when we had that proof in hand, I think we all took a breath, like an exhale. And it was a step of faith. That was a leap of faith because, you know, they started to Google what this clinic was going to do. You know, one of the therapies is called a biocharger. And we're like Googling, what does a biocharger do? And my dad's like, this is this is wacky, you know what I mean? But we did our research and we couldn't find one negative review on Dr. Schultz. And I'm just so grateful that my parents were like, we're gonna stand with you. And I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have that support. Like I'm getting choked up right now, you know? Um, Oh, sorry. I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have people to, to say, we're gonna see you through this. We're gonna get on the other side together. Because it can be a very lonely place to be chronically ill for that long. And so we took that leap of faith. Um, It's an investment. It's an investment in your time. It's a massive financial investment. And um, I needed help getting back and forth to the clinic. I wasn't in a place to be able to drive and want to be in an Airbnb alone or take care of myself well in that season. So we all got the green light from God. Like we felt peace on it which was even hard because I had tried other things, you know, many other things up until that point. And so we, I went out there and I did my last show, which, you know, this was the crazy part. When you sign contracts for shows, you really can't get out of them unless, you know, so I would show up to some shows just literally like taking every supplement I could to get me through it taking CBD oil. I skipped doing the meet and greets. I literally would get behind the keyboard. God only knows what I would have said in between those songs, sing and be done. And then I told my booking agent, I can't do anymore. I'm going, I'm going for full on treatment. And I took a break for an entire year um, and started treatment in July. And that was a step of faith showing back up to that clinic. Um, with my music in my earbuds. And it was the first time I did like massive IV therapy. I had done like 
vitamin C infusions and little cocktails that they'd put together for me. But this was antimicrobials. Have you heard of that? Um, IV anti I had never heard of it. So I guess it's like a natural form of an antibiotic that was going to kill all the Lyme bacteria. And then what I loved about this place, New York Center of Innovative Medicine, is all the additional therapies. So they have light therapy. They have this machine called the Stella that for me personally customized to what I needed, like my spleen needed a lot of work. So I would do this Stella therapy on my spleen. I would do the biocharger room to get my brain to, if I understand it right, to like oxygenate my brain again and get it functioning again. Um, I worked with uh, the doctor's wife there to do all that neuro emotional work. Um, they did a lot of different shots that my body needed, natural shots. They did neural therapy, which is what I think made my female womanhood like so much better. Um, they did, I mean, you, you name it, they did fungal stuff. I remember them shooting like uh, shots in my throat and, and they would know, they're like, what's up with your tonsils? You know, clearly you have them out, but they knew that that area still needed treatment. Um, I hadn't even told them about my tonsillectomy, you know, so it was just so super because it was customized and, you know, no, no body is alike <laughs> and tons of supplements. I mean, you understand that with all the people you've interviewed, you know, every morning, every midday, every evening, just a slew of supplements. And I was used to that. But then again, I love that those supplements were customized to what I needed. So how did your health improve during the time that you were working in uh, the New York Center for Integrate, uh, yeah, Integrative Medicine? Um, innovative. Innovative Medicine, yes. Yeah. How, did, how did your health improve? Uh, in the beginning, and they told me that you could get worse before you get better because we're pulling out so much toxic load and we're killing Lyme, which, you know, when Lyme dies, your body goes through a herx um, or it can just you can feel worse. And that definitely happened. There are some days I felt way worse. My real turnaround there was at the end of the three months, I would go back and forth. Um, my body showed that I needed NAD infusions. I take a pill now, so I'm taking it orally now called Nativim, which is their brand of NAD that they've made. But when I started doing those NAD IVs, the funny part is it was the worst treatment for me. For whatever reason, my body did not respond well. And literally I haven't had a natural, I haven't had a baby yet, but it felt like I was giving birth. The pain level was, I can't even describe it. And so they would slow the drip down. I think it normally takes like an hour or two for people. It was like double for me. I'm sitting in that chair for three to four hours running to the bathroom. Like it just did a lot of stuff to my body. Where did you feel um, pain? all in my pelvis, in the, my back, my lower back, um, which is really interesting because I used to battle like terrible period cramps and like, and that's a Lyme thing. Women that have chronic Lyme typically have bad cramps. And that helped me so, so much um, in that area. So I don't know, you know, it's, it's all it's supposed to be for your brain, but I'm like, maybe God used it to heal me in other ways. Um, cause he can do that. <laughs> so yeah, that treatment was my hardest, but that's when I felt a shift in the brain fog. That's when I felt a shift in like my overall well-being. was when I started doing NAD. I'm actually hoping to go back maybe this summer and do more. That's something that has shown, um, as I continue to get well, um, that I could benefit from. So the NAD was a real game changer. And then honestly, and they, they were real. They're like, you're going to leave here. I got the clean bill of health for Lyme, which was amazing to have them check my blood at the end and be like, there is not a trace of the Lyme bacteria. Now you need to go and continue to build your system back, build your immune system back, get well, work on the emotional stress, all of it. It took from September until May of 20. So September, 2019 till May of 2020. 
May is when I felt my biggest turnaround. Like I just remember, and they kept telling me because I would call and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not quite better yet. Like what's going on? And I'd have really low moments and flare ups and all of it. And in May, something just in my body shifted and they had told me it could take up to a year to really feel better. And I'm almost on my second year. This May will be year two. And I now I'm starting to feel better than before any of this Lyme stuff. Now I still have my triggers and my life has definitely changed, but I feel better in some ways and have more healing in some ways than before any of this Lyme. So I am like eternally grateful for God for healing and for Dr. Schultz <laughs> at the New York Center. So where are you professionally? Have you been able to go back to uh, work? Yeah, so um, when the pandemic hit, in 2020, I was on a tour. I signed on for the Aspire Women's Events. Kind of my niche is singing at women's events, singing, speaking. And uh, we were three weeks in, out in a West Coast run in California. It was going so well. I just couldn't believe I was back to doing what I loved, you know. Uh, was working on maybe putting out a new album. It was in the back of my head. And the pandemic hit, so we get sent home the end of March or mid-March. Um, and I, I think even, I mean, I hate this pandemic and I hate all the negative things, right? But personally, it, it did slow me down again. And maybe that's what I, I, I don't know, it's what I needed. So March, April, May started to feel better. And in May, I decided, okay, no touring probably for the rest of the year because of this pandemic. So I decided to make an album so I, it had been several years since I had released a new album and I felt well enough to be in the studio. I had songs I had written pre-Lyme. I had songs I had written at the clinic. I had songs I'd written after. So in October of 2020, I released a new album called All Things. And it's really a healing journey album. So for people that are navigating the great unknown, that's one of the song titles. For people that are believing for a beautiful story, that's one of the song titles. Like, the, the thrust of it is that uh, there's a scripture that says God can work all things for our good. And I just had to cling to that during my whole healing journey that somehow, even when I felt like I was in the pit of hell, didn't want to live anymore. And I know people can relate to that. And I don't, I don't say that lightly. There were days that I did not want to live anymore, but he could work it somehow for good. So uh, the title of the album is All Things and, and the most special song to me is probably All Things for Good off that album. Amen. But yeah, I'm, I'm about to tour again. It, it, it picks up, can't even believe it, March 25th of this year, I will will start the spring tour and then I'll take a little break in July and August and be back out in the fall. Hopefully an uh, international trip to Norway, but it's been a little bit tricky booking that one. So talk to us about, um, about your transformation. Um, what part of this journey has been beautiful and how has it changed you in a way you believe you would not have changed had you not gone on your Lyme disease journey? Yeah. Oh, I think anytime we go through suffering, long suffering, we have to learn things like perseverance. We're forced into learning what it means to persevere. We're forced into learning how to train our mindset and our spirit to see the beauty in the ugly and in the mess. Um, I love that anything in, in, in my life that has looked really messy and backwards, God somehow turns it and makes it into a masterpiece. And that's where my faith is at, that even though I feel like some years and dreams and desires were stolen in some ways, navigating this disease, I can now, I can now honestly say I feel more whole as a person. I feel like I'm more my true authentic self in every way as a believer as a just as a woman as a friend um I feel more honest in a lot of ways I think you can learn how to relate to people your compassion is going to grow your empathy is going to grow um so I do believe it's made me a stronger person um and I also got to see the hand of God in something that didn't look good and didn't look like you know, we, we have this big song in my genre called He's a Good, Good Father. And I do believe that he's a good heavenly father, but it didn't look good in that season. But I've gotten to see how he can work everything um, together and make it good. All um, things. 
Yeah, all things. How we got the song, the album title. He he's making all things and just thriving in some areas that I wasn't thriving in before. I can remember one of the treatments. They had me think of three things that I would want to do when I was well. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to lay here and sleep. You don't know what my head feels like. You know, how dare you ask me to dream like that? And I've been doing all three of those things the last, you know, year and a half. And just to have basic life back, you know what I mean? To want to go out with friends, to want to play tennis, to want to get on my bike, to want to do things, you know, that I didn't want to do for a while. Um, it's pretty amazing. So now I'm going to ask you to bless us with one last uh one last thought, which is if God forbid your mother came walking into your room today and she had a tick biting her on her leg, what would you recommend that she do so that she wouldn't have to suffer, suffer on a chronic Lyme disease journey? Okay. First of all, we would get the tweezers and pull it off gently so that we don't break the tick. Cause that's important. You really want to try to keep the tick intact. We would send it out to either hygienics or one of the labs that can test to see if that tick is carrying a, you know, a disease. And I would, I mean, if it's that fresh and that new and she had any symptom, like a bullseye rash, a fever, a headache, if anything in her body felt off, I think I would go on a round of antibiotics and just knock it out right away. And had I known I would have, you know, I didn't know that because when it becomes chronic, you know, I think there's a big debate if antibiotics work once it becomes chronic. I don't even want to get into that because I don't know the science behind it. But yeah, I think that's what I would say. Let's send it off. If you don't feel well, let's get you on antibiotics. If that tick came back carrying anything, let's go after this hard. Um, I think I would have her do antibiotics just, just in case. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't want anybody to walk this road. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Jamie Jamgosian. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Jamie and her Lyme disease journey, please visit her Instagram pages at Jamie Jamgosian or all things JJ Tips. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of our Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been provided by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or any improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes or on our website. As always, we thank you for your attention, 